You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today, yet again, we have Nedalko Milenkov with us to uh, venture forward in our self-hosting uh, endeavor. Today, we are going to talk about... We're going to talk about email. Email, oh, the granddaddy of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Our digital address. Um, I expect it to be a little harder than the rest. So yeah, how is it, Ned? <laughs> it, from, from 9 to 10 in terms of, uh, you know, how hard it is to self-host, uh, mm. I would say that it's uh, around number 10. It is sharing the place with, uh, with the DNS server. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maintaining a dedicated DNS server, you know, in production, of course, and mail, and mail server uh, is one of the, you know, uh, hardest things to do. But again, this scale is very r- r- relative. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you need to be a rocket scientist to host your email. It just means that you know, the easiest thing is to self-host your files, then calendars, uh, then uh, YouTube, you know, on YouTube and et cetera, and et cetera. And the hardest thing is to post your email. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you from my experience, because uh, for more than three months, I've been uh, self-hosting my email. So uh, I, as others, left it uh, for last. So I started, you okay. know, first with uh, self-hosting files, I think, uh, six years ago. Uh, then, you know, I migrated my contacts and calendars. Uh, one year ago, I've migrated uh, YouTube. I mean, I've self-hosted my own YouTube to share videos. And uh, recently, uh, I've uh, gained enough courage <laughs> to self-host <laughs> my email. And uh, it, to tell you the truth, it's, it's not so scary. And once you set it up, it's, you're very relieved. It's like you've made a great achievement <laughs> once yes. you get it uh, up and working. So <clears throat> I, I just want to say that there are three main, uh, three main ways to self-host your email. The first one is the easiest one. I mean, this is, uh, I think, from one to 10, it's one in terms of, uh, you know, how hard it is. So number one is to buy your domain. So you go to any hosting company. You, you might go to godaddy.com or, or some other local company. I, my recommendation is to choose a local company that you, that you trust and to buy a domain, a domain name. For example... Uh, I don't know, uh, fancydomain.com, right? So you buy that domain and then you go to third-party mail providers. So these providers, uh, you pay the monthly fee, for example, per account. Uh, usually it's between five and seven, eight uh, euro per month. So it's, it's cheap. Or you could, you could talk to your hosting company so they might even get you a bigger discount. So what you do is you go to this third mail provider and you connect your domain name with that mail provider and uh, you create your email account. For example, net at fancydomain.com. Uh, so once you do it, uh, all the mail that people send you to that email will get redirected to that uh, mail provider. So uh, there are a lot of uh, famous mail providers like Gmail. They offer a paid version. So yeah. it's, it's called uh, G Suite or Google Apps. They've rebranded it multiple times. Microsoft, they also have uh, you know, a paid version, Office. which is Office 365. Um, most of the major providers, they do offer paid versions for, for, for the business, right? Uh, but it, it doesn't need to be a business entity to, uh, oh, yes. to use these options. Yeah. So 
this is the easiest and the fastest way uh, that you could, you know, start this journey. Uh, this is what I did uh, six months ago. So six months ago, I went to my hosting company and uh, I've uh, connected my domain, uh, myhub.io. So I've connected my domain to their hosting, to their mail server. I've created my uh, email account uh, and I start receiving email. So I've started migrating all my uh, accounts from Gmail to my personal self-hosted uh, email address. And um, the good thing about this is that you don't care about servers, you don't care about configurations, uh, you don't care about storage, about uh, backup, but you do have a lot of uh, convenience. So you own yeah. your domain name, you own your name, as we discussed in, in, in the first episode, you know, what happens if, uh, you know, the service, the email service that you're using stops working or uh, if your account gets hacked and you get locked out of your, of your email address, uh, you know, all this, yeah, or your free email address. Yeah, all these scenarios <clears throat> can be, you know, quite uh, devastating because email is uh, really very popular and uh, it, it's like, even more important than your postal address. <laughs> uh, it's nowadays. like your passport online email nowadays. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So what you use to identify yourself everywhere um, to receive like confirmation emails and, and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> and But the thing that I find like really interesting is that you stress the importance of having like when buying a domain going to a local registrar in your country. Yeah. Or like in your city, if possible. Why? Why is that so important? Yeah. So um, the main reason is that uh, if someone tries to hijack your domain, or for example, if someone uh, hacks your email account, uh, you can go personally to that register, you, to that company, and you can show your ID card. And, you know, in a matter of minutes, they will give you back the control, right? They will reset, the, they will reset your accounts uh, and you gain access to your hosting, to your email server. Uh, if you use, for example, some, if you use godaily.com, uh, because they're, they're in US, uh, they need to verify that the person who is trying to recover the account is actually you. So it's much more slower process because you cannot go physically to their, oh, yeah. uh, you know, to, okay. to their office and prove your identity. Uh, so that's the main reason why I recommend a local, a local supplier. And isn't there like the risk for the small local supplier to basically the local register to go under out of business. Go out of business. Now, this is so, that's a very good question. And you know, domain names they are heavily regulated, and they're regulated by an organization called uh, ICANN, and it's a global organization. Uh, so when you buy a domain name, uh, you buy it from a reseller, and the reseller is the company, the local company that, that we're discussing, even GoDaddy. They are resellers, right? They don't okay. own the domain names. So if the company goes busted, uh, the domains will get uh, redirected to another reseller. And with the proof of purchase, you will be able to, you know, continue owning that uh, that domain name. Hmm. Ah, okay. So if you're unlucky, you might go and purchase uh, your domain in uh, Cyprus your local company goes busted and then you get redirected to GoDaddy, back to America again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you can transfer it to whatever provider yeah. you, you like. You, you're not limited. You can transfer yes. your domain as many times as you, as you want, um, which, is, which is quite cool. And also, uh, one of the main reasons that you, you, know, you, you, you could choose option number one, uh, the easy route, is also the, the freedom because, for example, if, if you use your local supplier for an email server and let's say that they go busted, uh, then it's an easy fix. You choose another email supplier, 
you update your domain records and they will point to the new mail server. So the most valuable part of your email address is your domain, right? This is the most yes. important uh, stuff. If you own your domain, you can redirect it to whatever hosting or mail provider you like. You can even self-host it and nobody will understand that you've changed it, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, if Gmail goes, I mean, if, if they decide to close their service or, or something happens, God forbid, uh, this means that you are not the owner of Gmail. So you cannot transfer your email address to another hosting uh, provider. But because you are the owner of fancydomain.com, uh, you can transfer it to whatever service you, you like. Yeah. To explain it more simply for the less technical people of the audience, it's like uh, you're renting an apartment, but you purchased the PO box. And that PO box, yeah. you use it, uh, anything, any par parcel or piece of mail that gets sent, gets sent to that PO box. And of course, the same as with online domains, that's where they got the idea. You can redirect from a PO box to whatever place you're currently renting. It doesn't matter where you are in the country or in the continent. So it's the same basic principle. You're not dependent on the landlord for your, uh, for your yeah. address. Yes. Freedom, yeah. baby. You have a constant. <laughs> exactly. And this is, this is what I did essentially, because the second approach, uh, which is the hardest, is to completely self-host it. So it's basically to uh, run your mail server uh, either on your uh, home server or on a rented server somewhere. Uh, so once I decided to completely self-host my email, um, you know, I've just uh, changed the domain records and they pointed to the new email server and voila, I started receiving emails to my new email server. So. Yeah. It, it's bad. it's been battle using? tested. <laughs> what are you using for an email server? Uh, so for an email server, and I would like to uh, say a big thanks to my good friend, Stuyan, who was uh, helping me with the setup. Uh, he recommended for me to use uh, Oxygen. Uh, you can, by the way, if, if you go to the techyleadership.com or to myself hosted to self-hosted.myhub.io you could find you know more details about how to self-host your mail server i will publish a lot of you know technical details awesome. and how tos and also Sounds my great. my journey on <laughs> how i achieved it uh, so you can read more about oxygen but it's basically a paid product however up to mm. five accounts it's completely free Right. Okay. Uh, and uh, I've been, I've tried, I think, three or four open source products. Of course, they all run Docker, <laughs> even uh, even Oxygen. You know, it, it's running Docker as well. Um, but you know, I found out that uh, it's really convenient. It has a very good uh, web interface. So the configuration is just by clicking here and clicking there and the installation is uh, next, next, next. So the installation of Oxygen literally took me five minutes, right? So uh, yeah, and, and, and I, I always can change the email server as we discussed previously. It's just, you know, a configuration settings in your domain. So if you don't like Oxygen or you don't like your current email server, you can just, uh, you can just change it. Um, Bring that's back Hotmail. Yeah, that's the beauty of, uh, of self-hosted. So this is, uh, so the second option, just, just to wrap it up, the second option is to completely self-host your email server. Now there is a third option, which is a hybrid approach. This is what I am currently using. Now, what is the okay. hybrid approach? The hybrid approach is to host your main, and this is the beauty guys, to host your main mail server uh, in your home, on your local server, and then to have a backup mail server somewhere in the cloud. So why do you need a backup server? So, so first of all, you know, 
I cannot guarantee that my connection is 100% reliable, right? And I know yes. that it drops from time to time. So, and then- and, uh, and, Our and, listeners and, know that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so um, from, from time to time, you know, it, there could be no electricity, for example. I do have a UPS, but if there's no electricity, the, the internet goes down, even with, with the UPS. So uh, with an email, you want to be sure that you receive everything, including the spam, right? You receive yes, every promotion, yeah. every email, because there might be something very important, right? In an email or something very, very urgent. So uh, one of my, uh, one of the reasons that I've delayed self-hosting my email was because I wasn't completely sure that I could create a reliable infrastructure at home. And, and then I thought about this hybrid approach. So what's the hybrid approach? So basically I have an email server that I self-hosted at home. It's the main server. So whenever you send me an email, that's the first server that you reach. And if it's online, uh, it will receive uh, the email. And the second server, it's, uh, I host it on DigitalOcean for $5 a month. So, I mean, it's, it's quite cheap. Uh, and because it's, it's on DigitalOcean, so DigitalOcean is like Amazon, AWS, or Azure, uh, but cheaper. <laughs> uh, so because I host it there, it's 99.99% uptime. And the beauty of uh, the uh, email architecture is that you can specify multiple mail servers. Um, because this is a critical infrastructure, basically you could say, I have two mail servers. So you if can you load try to- your email servers? Uh, you can load balance your mail, mail servers. However, the, the main reason for this is that uh, you make priorities, for example, my self-hosted server is priority one. The self-hosted server on DigitalOcean is priority two. So when you send me an email, your mail server, Gmail or whatever you're using, uh, it will look at these uh, priorities and will say, okay, priority one is the first mail server. So it will try to send the email to that server. If that server is offline, then it will go to the second server, right? And you can create as many servers as you like. You can create five mail servers, for example. And the, the, the mail standard is defined in a way that it will go from the first, and if the first is not reachable, it will go to the second. If the second is not reachable, it will go to the third, and vice versa. And this email server is too big. This email server is too small. This email <laughs> server is just right. Yeah, so, um, and also there is uh, every mail server, if for example, the recipient, if the recipient mail server is not available and there's no backup server, your mail server will retain the message and we will try to resend it in one hour, in five hours, in 10 hours. So default, uh, mail servers keep the message for two days until they, you know, send a message to the sender that they couldn't deliver your message. Uh, so even if the two servers are offline uh, and you send me an email, um, they need to be offline for two days straight in order for the mail to get uh, lost. So. Not, not likely. Uh, not likely, yeah. So this is how I, uh, this is how I've managed to uh, create more availability to my mail server. And you know, you know, the setup is that uh, when my main server is down, my second server is receiving all the emails, and the moment my main server goes up, the second server redirects everything to the main server. So there's no information oh, on the second server. Them. Exactly. So everything yeah, so is hosted on my main server. So it works like a replica set and it also uh, shifts priorities. So it's pretty nice. And my yeah. last question is, uh, 
because you already mentioned that you can uh, you can pay for a, a mail service to to handle your like gmail or whatever that also means that you can uh, enjoy your self-hosted email with a mobile application correct yes absolutely you could use that's very important that's very important for a lot of people it's all well and nice to use it on your computer but you need your email on the go yeah well, there, there, there are standard open source protocols like uh, IMAP or POP3. Uh, so even with my mail server, Oxygen, uh, it does support IMAP and POP3. So I'm still checking my email from my mobile device. I'm just yeah. not using the Gmail client. I'm I using the native uh, client. The, the native client, exactly. Ah, that's even better. Yeah, I, I think that would have been a, ma a major, major issue for for a lot of people listening to this. If I can't use it on on my telephone, it's 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 great, but it's dead to me. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. And also, you could support uh, Active Sync. For people that are not familiar, Active Sync is a push technology. So the moment you receive a new email, you get a notification, right? Uh, with That's with really the IMAP, cool. yeah, with the IMAP, you can say to check your email every minute or every fifteen minutes. Uh, but with Active Sync, you know, it's uh, you you get it right away. So Oxygen supports it, and there are other open source alternatives that, that support that it as well. Probably means that if if you really get into it and you want to try stuff out, you could even uh, implement two-factor authentication. Yeah, get, I, uh, I do have actually two-factor authentication on my server. Well, why didn't you mention it now? Now I'm really <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of options that you can do. And because you self-hosted it, uh, you have basically unlimited space. <laughs> I mean, the space is limited by the hard drives you install. And also, I have, I'm using Thunderbird as a client on my... Uh, on my desktop, so it's it's downloading all the emails. So even if my server dies and there's no backup, for example, or the backup's not working, you know the worst case scenario. Yeah, the worst case scenario. Right. Yeah, I still have my emails on my local computer. So uh, and also Oxygen, they have a web version, so you can access your email uh, from the web. They have a mobile web version as well, which is quite responsive. So I'm, you know, getting quite uh, used to it. I thought that, you know, I'll miss a lot of the Gmail functionalities, uh, but, you know, so far it's uh, working quite well. I've also tested the redundancy. So I've, uh, uh, you know, shut, shut down my main server just to check if I will receive email uh, after I rebooted, and you know the setup was uh, the setup was working, so it's uh, uh, it's doing well so far. But I think the hardest part, and this is why I put number ten, what, what's is the hardest part. The hardest part is to gain you know IP reputation, good IP reputation, because you know oh, yeah. email. Whitelisting your email. Yeah. The mail is the wild west of internet. <laughs> so <laughs> mail, I think the, the mail, most people don't actually realize it, but mail is the example of a completely open platform. And, and, and the story of email is quite interesting. It, it, it started actually from two universities in, uh, in US. So if you were a part of university of the first university, you could only send local mail, internal mail from that university. Okay. And the same applied to the second university, but you could not send mail between the two entities. So at some point they say, we should fix this. So they've developed this open protocol and you know they've started exchanging emails in between. And uh, you know more universities joined and then other entities joined, companies, businesses, and this is how we got email now. So to, to, to see the difference, it's like using Facebook Messenger 
to send a message to someone that's using Skype or Viber <laughs> or Telegram, right? You cannot do it. You 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 need and to the create ecosystems. Yeah. Exactly. And because it's open, everyone can host their own server. And it's there are a lot of positives, but there are a lot of negatives as well. Everyone the negative side. Exactly. So uh, big uh, email providers like Outlook or Office 365, Gmail, Yahoo, and etc. They all have sophisticated spam, anti-spam solutions. And um, you know, one of the things that's really important is for you to have a very good IP reputation. What does it mean? It means that your server it's running behind an IP address. And this IP address needs to be whitelisted. It needs to be configured so that when you send email from this IP address, other email servers uh, receive it. Otherwise, they will say this is spam and they will reject it. So this is Pref the hardest part. Preferably you know? a static IP address rather than it, a dynamic one. This is a must. Yeah. I mean, so, so you can whitelist it is once. A must. Yeah, and it, because of, uh, I don't want to get into too much technical details, but uh, one of the ways to ensure that your IP has, you know, is looking good, so to say, uh, is to have a specific uh, reverse DNS record. And uh, you cannot ask for reverse DNS record from your home internet provider. They're just not gonna give it to you. Right. So, okay, so what's uh, the, solution? the solution is the hybrid approach. So with the hybrid approach, uh, I'm sending all my email through my second server in DigitalOcean, ah. which has a real IP. It has a reverse DNS. Uh, it has uh, another settings that I'm not going to go into too much details, but it has other settings that are, you know, improving the reputation of, uh, of that IP address. And also it's, uh, it's in the States, it's in the US. Uh, so- The uh, land of spam. Yeah, so a lot of, uh, a lot of providers, uh, when, when, when they see uh, an IP from, from example, from, uh, from a home uh, internet provider, uh, there is a high chance to classify it as spam because uh, computers get infected uh, with viruses. Some of these viruses, they include uh, mail servers and they start sending email from your computer, from your IP. And uh, big uh, anti-spam uh, filters, they just ignore IP addresses that are coming from home internet providers. So this is easier Shadow way to band. ensure... Yeah, to ensure that you have a good IP when you host it on AWS, Azure, DigitalOcean, or some other. And did uh, you do anything platform. to check the IP you got from DigitalOcean to make sure it's a good one? Because there's a chance to get like an IP that was used for spamming. Flamed, yeah. Yeah, and then you are reading. <laughs> you're reading my mind. I, this could be another discussion because it was quite interesting, guys. Literally, the IP that I got. It's a random assignment, right? When you create yes. your virtual machine, you get a random IP. I got the IP. I configured the IP for two or three days to you know, <laughs> comply with all the requirements. And then I tried to send an email to Outlook. So I, the email to wow. Gmail was successful. The email tried. to Yahoo was uh -huh. successful. But I tried, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I've, I've, Bogdan was right. I tried to send an email to Outlook and it get rejected. And I say, whoa, you know, what happened? So it got rejected and uh, you get an error code. And this error code includes uh, questions and answers page from Microsoft. So I open this page and uh, I send an email to their support and they actually send uh, replied with me, uh, replied to me that oh you know what we've actually monitored high spam activity from your IP, 
you know, I was like, no way, you know, I, I, I've been hosting it for several days. No way, it's it's coming from me. Who hacked my machine and sent emails? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, then I registered. They have they have a system. Microsoft they have a system because you can imagine they're a huge email provider, right? With uh, yes. with Office three six five and Outlook and other services so they're a big email provider so they do have an account system you register there you register your ip address and then you get inside data so when i registered my ip i found out that on the date when i purchased the ip uh, it was blacklisted because uh, someone was sending a lot of spam you know from from that ip Actually, the funny for... thing is that the spammer realized that the IP is burnt and he released it. Exactly, and then I got it. <laughs> and then <laughs> I got it. So, you know, I was uh, I was frustrated, but uh, I talked with DigitalOcean. I asked them, "Can you change my IP?" They <laughs> they said, uh, "No, you need to create another virtual machine, but there's no guarantee what IP you will get." So I decided to stick with my IP and to clear its reputation. So this is good about internet and reputation is that you can slowly build your reputation, right? So I've waited one week and I've sent another email to Microsoft and they said, okay, you know, send us a proof of purchase. So I've sent them the proof of purchase of the IP address and they saw that I've actually purchased from the date that I purchased the IP, there was no spam. I've explained like them it. the situation. I've explained them that I'm a long-term user of DigitalOcean and DigitalOcean can confirm this. So they whitelisted me. Uh, so it took me a week to do it, uh, but it, uh, it was uh, worth it. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, that was two days ago. The whitelisting was uh, two days ago. I can send emails, <laughs> but I still cannot uh, receive them. I mean, I have a test email account in Outlook, but uh, so Outlook is accepting my emails, but for some reason I don't see them in the inbox. So this is uh, something in development. <laughs> so hopefully, okay. yeah, maybe they need some time to lift the ban from all their servers. Uh, bureaucracy, uh, they take some time. It's good that they answer. So it's like good guy Microsoft because I can't if, believe if they actually answered. It was answered. like with Gmail or any of the free uh, <laughs> services. Are you currently a, 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 a customer of our services? No. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> will get back to you eventually. Uh, you won't get that message either. So you will just send emails in a black hole and never get an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, as I said, it's a journey. And for people that they don't want to, you know, hassle with all these formalities, so to say, they are uh, paid alternatives. For example, you can, you can rent uh, an outgoing mail server. So what you can do is you can self-host your email server, but uh, instead of using your own email server to send your mails, you can use third-party mail server. <clears throat> and uh, I found a very good solution, up to 1,000 emails per month, it was free. And I mean, for a personal email, you know, you can use it. Their IP is whitelisted, it's regulated, so you can be sure that uh, everyone will get your emails. Again, um, I'm, just, I'm just guessing here, probably right. Uh, uh, for our non-technical listeners, that's how it works in the background. So the outgoing server isn't yours, the incoming server is. But for you, when you use it, after if, if, if you kindly ask someone to do the setup for you, you will feel no difference. It will feel to you yeah. just like any other, any other service. So uh, I don't think people should worry about... Uh, uh, all the different choices because choices are, are nice to have choices are freedom so it's nice that you have plenty of choices the way you want to set it up yeah it's very flexible and uh, you can mitigate it i mean if you are afraid of configuring your own server whitelisting your ip etc etc 
you can just uh, use a paid service and still have the freedom of, of self-hosted email. Uh, listen, Ed, we're, we're pushing a certain age and one of the small but existing benefits of pushing a certain age is that you can always uh, reach out to a younger nephew or niece and say, can you help me out with this technical stuff? I heard you're going to IT university. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, they will learn in the process. So it's beneficial for everyone. Uh, and, and do you have like other members in your family using uh, your domain name to host their email addresses? Yes, actually. So uh, all my family, they have accounts. Uh, so they are slowly starting to use them because uh, they don't have any limit, right? I mean, you can, uh, if I install 10, 10 terabytes uh, hard drives, you know, <laughs> You will yes. have one terabyte mailbox if you like. So uh, mm. it's not Gmail has 15 gigabytes and this is shared with photos, mail, files. But as we discussed previously, I self-host my files. I self-host mm. my videos. I self-host my email. So everything. You know, and <laughs> does it integrate with the other stuff you have, like uh, the inbox? Is it easy to add attachments and use uh -huh. it? And if you get like an attachment that yes. gets stored in your uh, yes, yes, it has storage. <clears throat> absolutely. It has a it has a antivirus. It has uh, you you have different options for antivirus. You can use open source antivirus or a paid one. Uh, different versions for spam filters. Uh, you can define your own attachments. I mean, this is the beauty. So. Many email providers, they're limiting, for example, you can upload 20 megabytes and that's, yeah. the, that's the maximum. With your own uh, mail server, you can define whatever you like. Now, the tricky part is that if your mail server is accepting uh, 500 megabytes of an attachment, when you send this attachment to another email outside your mail server, Forward, it will probably be rejected. Yeah, it oh, will probably it's get rejected. But if you use it internally, I mean, I can send an email to my wife and I can attach a lot of photos. She will receive it because it's an internal uh, email. It's not going through the internet. Okay. And my last question, and this is on behalf of uh, all the, the the parents among us, among our listeners and future parents, because I know that um, you're a father, even though you're child is a little too young to use uh, <laughs> email and uh, internet stuff. Uh, do you have something like uh, like uh, parental controls or any benefits in, in setting up a, a self-hosted email service that will help you parent your children better and protect them from the awfulness of the internet? Um, yes. I mean, you can configure every account with custom settings. <laughs> For example, you can restrict how many emails your child can receive or send the attachments, uh, the attachment files. You can create filters. For example, you can, uh, you can disable emails coming from Facebook, for an example, uh, or <laughs> exactly. you, can, you can disable uh, emails that contain explicit words so it's quite flexible because you are the administrator you can do whatever you like with with that email service so uh, you would actually recommend this for parents who who want to well not cuddle up but you know at least make sure that their children are being abused online yeah yeah because uh, this is really good question it's a big selling point because for example you can configure your server to accept encrypted uh, encrypted communication so basically when another uh, when your friend is sending you a mail uh, they will use this encrypted channel so they will encrypt the email so no one in between will see your <clears throat> uh, your email message this is really important for, for the privacy. So let's say that 
your child's account gets abused somehow or it starts receiving some pictures or, or something that you're not comfortable with or it's a sensitive information. So first, with one click, you can disable your, your child's account. With one click, you can uh, delete uh, his or her mailbox, right? It's just very flexible, right? Imagine that uh, your, your child has an email in Gmail, right? If, if, if you want to manage that email, you need to have access to the username and password. And, and your child might change them, right? With, with, yes. with, with, with this self-hosted solution, you know, you are one click away to disable the mailbox or one click away to delete it, or you can reset the password. You are the administrator. So I would, mm. uh, I would recommend it, yeah, for, for, for parents that, you know, they, they want more peace of mind and... Um, I was going to add that you can extend the benefits to less technical grandparents, you know, who are oh, prone yeah. to being victims of online scams. So you can, uh, well, you, you basically know um, what their interests are in, in emailing. You, you could restrict whole countries for them. <laughs> Absolutely. That would, that would significantly <laughs> reduce the chance that they can get, uh, you know. An offer from a an Nigerian offer, prince. Yeah, from a Nigerian prince. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of uh, pros for self-hosting your uh, your email, I think we're just uh, on the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I'm not worried. I think that the major, major one is you get to have like a really nice email, like looking because most of the good emails they've been taken like for years yeah. and years. And try now to get an email. The actual address. Uh, yeah. Yes, the actual address. It's like so complicated. Uh, and you get the 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 response that cemented in my mind that how important it is to have like a professional email professional looking email is when i went to get like um to get a contract for cell phone service and i had like and the email was actually my name and it was because it's a really old email it's actually my name yeah. uh, and not saying like the, <laughs> the provider, the provider, but it's one of the free ones. Uh, and the the guy was the, the guy said it was so shocked, and I got like better service for it because I had like a professor because he said like, I'm getting only crazy emails with freeze <laughs> and dots and I I don't know how Lucy Popular yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah, and, if you want to get a job with that on your CV, it's not that great. I must tell you, I've been on the receiving end of some of those CVs. And some people have like crazy, crazy emails. And it doesn't matter how professional you look. The fact that you didn't invest some time to get like a professional email says something about that person. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's not fair, but it's, it's, it's bias. Yeah. It, and it exists and... That's the way it is. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but so. this way you can have a cool looking email address and it can be a, as short or as long as you, you can actually have your email. Where should I email this to? Email it to cool at myfancydomain.com. Yeah. Absolutely. You can have different emails, some from spam that use just for yeah, spam. Yeah, you can have yeah business email, personal emails. Uh, for yeah. Yeah. You do. You could have aliases. So an yes. alias is basically a different email, but is pointing to the same mailbox. So instead of having two mail accounts, you have one mail account, but with two different email addresses. Or yeah. you, you can you add multiple aliases. Yeah. Exactly. I would actually recommend uh, so having your business one, your personal one. I would recommend a third one for anything that has to do with money over the internet. So if you have a Kindle Direct Publishing account because you like to publish books or an Amazon account, you can use that one. Anything banking, you shouldn't use your normal day-to-day -day email tied to your banks. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good tip. Uh, it's a good idea. You could create like, filters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have like a, a, a an email that you use it like for more transactional uh, operations online that you you don't use it for anything else. You don't send emails for for from it. Yeah. It's just to log into critical services, uh, mm -hmm. uh, send money, receive money, and stuff like that. So it's not widely shared. So uh, uh, an actual private email, yeah. rather than it being public. So not yeah. susceptible to to all the social engineering used to to hack accounts, because. So don't use it for Facebook or any of the oh, major no. services yeah. that get hacked from time to time and they lose like millions of records and your email might be for them and then you get all kinds of interesting email. Use like a one for for um, let's say like fun and reading all kinds of fun emails but uh, you know that what you receive there is just uh, it's not to be trusted that much so you have to be more alert wearing it when uh, reading that mail. Yeah, you have endless possible, you can be, be very creative when, uh, when, uh, when you engage with online entities because that's the whole idea behind self-hosting is having more choices, more flexibility, more freedom. More resources. More resources, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, speaking from my experience, it's really rewarding when you see it up and running. And even if it's even more rewarding when you see it battle tested. <laughs> when, you so, when, you, when your server goes down and when you don't lose emails. And uh, I mean, it's. And if just... you lose some, how would you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but just to summarize real quick for, for the people listening and the people half listening. So you have basically three types of, of self-hosting email, depending on how much you want to invest and evolve yourself, starting from the easiest one, where basically you just own the domain and you use a, a, a mm -hmm. very well-known email provider. This is the fastest way, most plug-and-play one. And the benefit okay. is you never lose the domain. That's the whole point. So you don't lose your email. So you never lose your email. email. That's your email. They're, they just... They're just the postman. You might lose mm -hmm. your emails that you got, but if you need to, re to receive like new emails, you just revive it. I had like that situation. I had like an email I forgot I was using it for a service. Uh, I wanted to reaccess that account. It was years later, my email was dead for a long time. Um, I just started it up, said like went to my registrar's point and said, okay, I want email for this. And this is the email I want. Um, and I received like the password reset to it. I could reset the password, change it to another email, move the account to another email. So uh, it, it's yours. You it's, really ownership. It. It's, yes, ownership it's ownership. It's ownership with everything that ownership entails. So it's not just possession is nine tenths of the law. How, how U.S. citizens like to say it's 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 true ownership. And that's that's the 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 the, the simplest one. The the second one is where you you invest in an actual server and it can be in your home. And the third one being the solution where it's a hybrid, where you have a server also in the cloud, you do replication so you don't lose data, plethora of benefits, uh, a little more challenging to integrate, but well worth it nonetheless. Because you have uptime, guaranteed uptime. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just the summary for how to do it. On why you should do it, it's because it offers you flexibility. Well, the first thing is it's it's your address. It's like your name. Nobody else will be able to use it. Yeah. It will be as unique as your social security number or whatever sort of identification your country uses. You also have the flexibility to uh, to uh, engage with it how you like and also offer security for your family and loved ones. So for the less technical members of your family, you can restrict uh, access, countries, IPs, services, engage services, add filters, uh, help them recover it. They might forget passwords, not a problem. You can recover their account. Oh yeah, especially like with elders and children. That's a big one. Like what's my That's password? a very big one. 
Like if you just can log in and do it yourself, it's like this is your new password. Yeah. <laughs> and to top it off, no matter what uh, choice of action you 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 take, which path you take to self-host, you can always in every situation enjoy it from the comfort of your mobile device, either via native application or via mm. a paid application like Gmail, Office, heck, Yahoo if you want. It doesn't <laughs> matter. You can uh, you can use it just like any other previous server, but it's yours. Yes. Yeah, good summary. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nev, and if people want to find out more about self-hosting uh, in general, they should go to? Yeah, so I'm in the process of creating a blog. So it's selfhosted.myhub.io. Or they can go to your site, techieleadershipshow.com and search for the episode and they will find the link down yeah, the description. You can find it in the show notes. I yeah, promise yeah. to actually add it. To this <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's been a pleasure, as always, Ned, having you on the show. And next... I really enjoy talking about self-hosting. And next up is... So next topic is... Uh, small bits and pieces, small software that you can self-host and improve your life. For example, host, yeah, it's hosting your own uh, ad blocker on your router. Oh, that sounds oh. nice. Yeah, and parental controls there would be great. So I'm sure that you, you like it. Uh, and for example, how to self-host your own monitoring service. Because you can imagine that if you have a file server, if you have a video server, if you have a mail server, you want to be notified <laughs> if these servers go down, right? Yeah, because yeah you, that makes sense. You, you want to take action. Yeah, so I think these two things will be quite interesting. They're very straightforward to set up between one and 10. I think it's one or two in terms of uh, how hard it is. Nice, really awesome. easy. And then yeah. you can get a job as a sysadmin. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, that's, that's true because you learn so much about Docker, about infrastructure. Really empirical this... experience. Yeah, yeah. It's something you can write on your CV. So it's not just fun to do it as a project at home. It's also something that my... Uh, take you to a new level in yeah. your career when when they ask a new direction when they ask you do you have any any technical experience with this you can reply to them well the fact that we can we can hold this uh, meeting via email you know this conversation <laughs> is proof that i have sufficient technical experience yeah. and everybody wants now some technical experience like especially if you have like a white collar job oh yeah <laughs> true that true that Okay, Ned, thank you for the in-depth episode on self-hosting your own email service and looking forward to uh, the next episode. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you, guys. See you next time. Bye. 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 That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh. You can find further info and materials in the show notes on techieleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.